if you did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if you did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work? Well, another week, another episode, and I got to say this one on what if it did work. It, it's something that I, I think we all need. And when I read your bio, and I'm, I'm super glad that we're in the right room with the right people and the right person got us together, uh, Cicely Simpson. So how's it going, Cicely? Hey, great to be here, Omar. Thank you for the opportunity to join you today. Now, reading your bio... Well, uh, we, we spoke about it briefly right before we started, but I got to say the simple fact that you want or you believe that everybody is a leader or everybody shall, should take a leadership role or learn how to be a leader. Yeah, I mean, look, my philosophy is because and yeah, you and I spoke with it briefly, but people hear leadership and they tend to think, oh, well, that's for my boss. or that's leading others. Or they tend to think about it in sort of a larger group setting. Whereas my attitude is leadership starts with you. Self-leadership has to come first. So yeah, we hear leader and we think title and we think, you know, promotion and, and rank. But my philosophy is self-leadership was with you every single day. And that's an opportunity that presents itself. And I think it probably goes pretty well with uh, your philosophy of what if it did work? I mean, that, what if it worked? What if you believed in yourself and that self-leadership and you getting up every day, knowing what you want, what, just what if it worked? And I feel like, Omar, my career has been a, what is, what if it worked kind of exercise? So I'm grateful for the conversation. I'm looking forward to uh, jumping into it with you. Well, we're, we're like-minded people. We're, we're people, overcomers, overachievers. I don't like that term overachiever because that means somebody put a limit. Uh, on what you could do, and yeah. and you you overcame that. Now that, that's what I love what you said because simply, a lot of us were raised in that that uh, goofy cliche. There's chiefs, there's a few chiefs, and there's Indians, or or per yeah. se. And this this happens in many companies. That's not my that's not my job. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to answer. Now, you see, that's not, to me, that's not a leader. That, that's somebody, zero. They're trained. They, they're given the handbook of what not to do. Mm-hmm. And more than likely, they don't have a leader. They have a boss that okay. just tells them, this is what you can. This is what you cannot do. And from top to b- bottom, to me, that means a company, if there's somebody that says, that's not my job description, or I don't know how to do that. There's zero leaders in that organization. 100% agree. Yeah, totally agree with you. So now you're now when when you offer leadership, is it to organizations or is it to individuals or all the above? It's all of the above right now. So I have a monthly coaching program. Uh, Omar, I've got people in it from C-suite executives all the way to individuals who are in their first job <laughs> and then everybody in between. Because when you start talking about self-leadership and especially the five strategies that I teach my clients, it's applicable to everybody. And I'm very much a big believer of you have to meet people where they are. You can't, you know, 
my idea of what I think someone should be doing is my idea, not their own. So I very much believe in meeting people where they are. And that's where the conversation starts. And so I very much believe that self-leadership applies to all of us. It's just a matter of do we believe in ourselves to be able to do it? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm across the board right now in terms of clients uh, that I'm working with and in terms of those that I'm seeking to serve. So where were you 26 years ago when I, I graduated college? <laughs> <laughs> Back and talk to myself 26 years ago, I would say, hey, all those things you thought, well, what if it worked? Just just try it and see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd give myself some uh, different advice right now. That's for sure. <laughs> not, not only would I be further ahead of life, but all the, the many different jobs that I did have in corporate America until I finally said, hey, this, I, I can do this on my own. Exactly. But most of them, they're zero leadership. And, and we can't say, well, there wasn't John Maxwell books. There wasn't any type of books on leadership because, you know, since Dale Carnegie, there's always been books on personal development, business development. I've, I've always, unfortunately, worked for cor- companies and corporations where it's always been do this, do that, all bosses and zero leaders. Yeah. Listen, you and I share that background together. I've worked... Uh, well, I started out in the legal field. So listen, I've had multiple career uh, transitions from the legal field into politics, working in Congress, then into corporate America. And, and very same thing you just said. Nobody told me how to figure it out. I was like, okay, great. You're here. Now, what are you going to do? And you sort of you know, had to take that initiative. And to your point, though, I've read all the books. And uh, if you don't take action, then every, the information in the book is worthless, right? And that's what I tell people about the book I just that I'm putting out right now at Forbes. If, if it's a one and done for you and you're not constantly taking action, it, it's, it's, it's all for naught. Um, so you can read all the great information in the world, but if you don't act on it, you've missed an opportunity. But here, you, I'm sure you know plenty of these people, Cicely. Hey, what book shall I read? You know, I've, I've read these 20 books in 20 weeks. Uh, what, what can I download on Audible? And you're like, probably like, well, have you implemented any? No, 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 no. Tell me. Uh, these are all great stuff. I, I write down notes. I have a highlighter. And these, they, these are like seminar junkies because they, they're in the right rooms. But it's just because they like, you know, the Oxycontin, the dopamine to make them feel great. But they don't take action. That's right. And yes, you're right. I get those questions all the time. Always happy to respond. But then my response to them is, all right, so what did you do today? And if especially if it's in person or on a Zoom call or, you know, good old, you know, conference call, I get dead silence. And then it's like, well, what do you mean? You can read every book in the world, but did you go to a meeting today? Were you on a Zoom call? Did you speak up? Did you share your opinion? Did you show up the way you should? And that's when it's like, Oh, you know, you've got a to-do list of the errands you've got to run and people you've got to call. And that one gets them every time because it's like, it all starts with you first. The the writer of the book can't walk you through and give you self-motivation and give you the opportunity to believe in yourself. So you're right. I always meet those messages with sort of a challenge of a question back to them. And it, uh, I get dead silence every time. Well, it's like, okay. you know, you can read. I'd rather have you read one book a hundred times and literally take massive, consistent action and mm-hmm. do something, change your life 
by doing something, by, by you know, a- action creates results, then asking me, hey, what book? Or, hey, I, I've memorized every quote by Grant Cardone, by, by, by um, Anthony Robbins, by Zig Ziglar. Okay, well, these are amazing quotes, but they don't work. What, what work have you done? That's right. That's exactly right. If you're not willing to put it into action. And look, people say, well, that's a big goal. One step, one step at a time every day, make progress. I did a video training this week on progress versus perfection. We're not going for perfection here. We're going for progress every single day. And that means you wake up every day committed to taking action. You're, I'm, you're spot on about that. Or they'll, they'll be like, well, it's not going to be good if I take action. Because one of my clients, he's like, well, you, you've done videos for forever and, and you talk and you do this. And I'm like, okay, and? I had to take action. If if you go back three, four, or five years, it, it's a it's progression. It's like if you want to be a great runner, if you want to be a great athlete, you don't just show up once. You have to you have to put in your time. And it's like, right. well, and then they know I, I have a degree in journalism. I'm like, well, I haven't been a journalist, and I'm a failed journalist because I quit like 25 <laughs> years ago. So you know, I I, I could I, my my degree in journalism is just that. It, it's it's not like I, I went from working for CNN and all of a sudden I transitioned. But everybody always has that. It's like, well, how about if I stutter or how about if I I stumble? I'm like, well, you're human. At, at least it it'll show that you're human. And hey. If if you're selling something, because we're all selling something, then, hey, I, I like that because it's not like, you know, the big production, take 20 and, and let's have, have like CGI and let's have graphics and let's let, let's make this a Broadway production. But everybody always has that. And it's that little voice that, oh, my gosh, you know, how about if, how about if I look looking bad or failure? And it's like you're, you're not unless you go out there and, and do something. It's like, oh. I'm sure, Cicely, how, how can you show me how to write a book? Uh, yeah, I'm sure after, after it comes out, you're going to have all your friends, family, associates, people that you haven't heard of from years. They'll DM you or they'll telegram you. They'll fax you. They'll find a way. And like, hey, can you help? I, I, I had this great idea for a book. How, how do you write a book? I've already gotten a couple of those. So you, <laughs> you are absolutely projecting and foretelling what's, uh, what's coming my way. Yeah, I've already gotten a few of those questions. But you know what, Omar, what I love about what you just said and what really sort of resonates with me is you and I both could tell people I, we failed more times than we can admit. We've heard no more times than we can count. And I always tell people because there's such a fear of failure. And I'm like, treat no as not now. No is not the ultimate fatal personal rejection that we make it out to be. And talk about failure. I mean, I've learned that throughout my career. Listen, I've gone for a raise. I've been told no. I've gone for a promotion. I've been told no. And when I say treat it as a not nail, you know, I wait a couple of weeks and then I go back and say, okay, you've told me no twice. So let help me get to yes. Let's talk about what I can do to get to that next level versus what I can't do. And will you help me do that? And the person was like, absolutely. And that was my first corporate America job. I was like, all right, let's just, let's just call it what it is. You've told me no twice. So now let's talk about how to get to yes. And that how to get to yes attitude. People just, they're like, well, what if I hear no? I'm like, so what? It's a no, but don't think anything about it. Just treat it as a not now. 
walk away, say thank you, recalibrate and come back. But we just tend to fear failure so much that we just shut down. And, you know, I tell people fear means two things. Face everything and run or face everything and rise. You have a choice. And you know what? No, is just one syllable. That's right. Two That's letters. Right. And it's not a no. It's not like they're saying, Cicely, I, I hate you. You're a horrible person. That's not why you're not getting you're not getting this raise. You're not getting this promotion because we hate you. Usually, no is just and, and this is what people don't understand. Like, and, and it comes, it can be on a personal level, business level. It, it's just usually a timing. That's it, right. You you didn't get that promotion. It's no different than the, some someone. I, I mean, I had this. I, I had so many fears growing up: fear of rejection, fear of failure. Oh my gosh! If I asked out a woman, or not when I was young, if I asked out a girl out on a date, oh my gosh, the, everybody would find out. Not only the town, the school, the the whole city, of Miami, the, the Miami Herald, the, probably the New York Times would find out that I got rejected. And I tell people now, it's funny because now if if I did ask out, hey, would you like to go out? If they say no, okay, maybe there's maybe she's seen someone. Maybe I'm not tall enough. Maybe she's got plans. And it's just a timing thing. It's it's not a no on on who I am as a person. And and if if you feel that bad, and if you still have that little voice inside your head, at least be like the cocky John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. And just go next, you know. <laughs> hey, you're 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 losing out. You're losing out on me. And go next. I mean, that's. But you know, and and then the person, whenever they they hear no, they'll relive that no over and over and over. Oh well, I've 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 been sitting at home for five years now. Uh, I I I quit my job because I didn't get the promotion. Or ah, that one girl years ago rejected me. So, oh my gosh, how about if I got another no? So I'll just stay on the sidelines. And, and it's like what Wayne Gretzky once said, you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. Absolutely. And when you I-, and I take plenty of shots. That's just what separates. <laughs> I, I, I mean, my, my success rate and everything in life is, is, is no different than, you know, it's not like, oh my gosh, I'm Warren Buffett. It just means you and I are risk takers. You, you and I know we control our lives. We're the masters of our destiny. Absolutely. And those not going to stop you. When you try it once and it works, you're like, holy crap, that worked. Huh? And then you kind of want to try it, try it again. And you want to try it again. And then that's where the progress comes in. Cause you're right. You and I both have been through it and we can talk about it personally and professionally. And I can certainly tell you, I mean, personal challenges for me that have, that have really even impacted my, uh, my professional life. But it's that little voice in the back of your head that says, but what if they say yes? Exactly. Holy cow. What if I say something and they actually say, yes, yeah, Cicely, let's do that. And then you're like, oh my God, it worked. <laughs> so we, we too often take ourselves out of the game before we ever get off the bench. And, you know, so I love the, the Wayne Gretzky quote. I, I use it often because it's like, how do you know you haven't tried yet? And when you try and they, they just say yes. And then you're like, it just, it, it's, you know, it's like the no, it can be life changing, but if you, if you haven't tried, then how do you know? And that's the thing that 
I will tell you, I won't get on my soapbox here, but that is the biggest thing that I coach people over. Cause the very first thing you got to talk about is, are you ready to make your own way? What do you bring to the table that no one else does? And people just don't think of, they're like, well, well, I'm a good writer. I'm a good communicator. I'm like, forget your job. This is about you. You got you to gotta put yourself first. This is about you. So I love what you're saying because what if it works? What if what you try actually, they say yes. So we tend to too often find excuses and well, it's the job, it's the boss, it's somebody else. It's you know this relationship personally or that relationship. And it's like, no, this is all about you. And this is only about you. Um, and you succeed, you know, you rise or you run on your own using that fear analogy. So you're, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. But that fear analogy and what, what we're just talking about, those that's called being a victim. That, that's called circumstances. Yeah. Oh, I, I could have been a contender. I, I, I could have, I could have had a bestseller. I, I could have done this. I could have done that. But, you know, life gave me a, a bad, gave me curveballs. Or you don't know what, what it's like being me because I'm the only one that has these circumstances. And what I, I love to tell those people is it's no different than the rom com. Every circumstance that you said that you have, while you're playing victim and you want the little small violin playing and you want people to give you the cyber hugs and you want to give you know people the, oh, I can't believe you. There's people that have had worse circumstances that have overcome physical, emotional, over- overcome more strikes on them. They don't even have, they don't even count the, it's not three strikes. They have like seven, eight, nine strikes. And nobody told them the baseball analogy that you only get three. That's right. But you know, it, it's easier because then that requires reflection. That requires I'm here because of my lack of action, my, my lack of belief, my lack of faith that I have in myself. Yeah, look, I, 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 I'll tell you a quick story because um, you can always find something to blame. You can always, you know, the old saying, be stronger than your excuses. Look, I could have a pity party every day. Um, you know, I often tell people I was born with sickle cell anemia. Most people don't know what that is, but if you Google it, you'll see it's a, it's a pain that's about as bad as cancer. And I have been told throughout my life, you're not like everybody else. You can't do what everybody else does. You need to sit over there and be quiet and, you know, just, just live a quiet life was the exact phrase the doctors told my parents. But I had parents who said to me, it's up to you. You can choose you can choose to sit on the sidelines. You can choose to wallow in, in, in it. You can choose to be the victim or you can do something about it. And all of my life, I've chosen to do something about it. Look, there are days when I, I function and, you know, I'm running on battling blindness and losing my eyesight. There are days when I go about my day and I am in pain from head to toe and you would never know it because I've chosen not to let that define me. I've chosen not to let playing the victim be what, you know, my life and my legacy is all about. So when people want to sort of do the woe is me, look, you can give in, you can absolutely give in to that, but you have nobody to blame but yourself if you do, because everybody's got something. Everybody's dealing with something in their life and you have to decide, is that something going to be something that you're going to let stop you or is it going to motivate you? Does it give you a sense of urgency about your life or are you going to sit there and wallow in it and blame your circumstances. So I'm, you know, look, and I, I tell that story. I'm very open about that story simply because I can tell you time and time again, 
when I've had health challenges and I had to figure out how to overcome them because otherwise it was going to be basically where I stopped. So I kind of, listen, my father was a Marine who served in Vietnam. So we didn't do excuses at our house. Well, anyway, but, but when it came to, you know, sort of personal circumstances, even he said to me, the choice is yours. You, this is your life. You've got to figure it out. Your mom and I can't, we, we can't do this for you. So you can do anything you set your mind to, but it's got to be your choice. And so I'm a big believer in you can let those things stop you or you can use them as motivators to give you a sense of urgency, to give you a sense of purpose. And but again, that's a mindset. That's a mindset thing. Too often we're looking for the temporary fix. Right. It's why I tell people stop with the New Year's resolutions. Resolutions are temp- your mindset change. That's permanent. That's when you get up every day and you know, you know what? Every day is a good day. And here's what I'm going to do today to make that little bit of progress we talked about. It's all in your mindset and it's all in your personal motivation, which is why I think the self-leadership is so important. But the one thing that you and your family did was when it came to those doctors with the sickle cell, you ex- they accepted and you accepted the diagnosis, but you did not accept the prognosis. That's right. And that's that's the one thing that that science and that's the one thing when you hear those stories about the woman that picks up the car because the their child's underneath or the person that lives 10, 10 20 years past the so, supposed death date. It's because the mind is so powerful and so strong that if you're stubborn and you're like, hey, I don't thank you for your opinion. I'm just not going to accept it. And that's, right. that's, that's what you and that's what your parents did. Because a lot of people, that's why when a doc, when you accept the diagnosis, the prognosis, they say you have six months to live, you know, 180 days. Well, 180. Yeah. I'm, I'm an arts and science guy, technically. So I ran out of fingers and toes. So 180 days later, the person dies. And it's because you accept it in your heart, your mind, your soul. You're like, okay, it's it. So yes, you could have lived that life of, you know, um, it's going to be painful. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to let life happen. But being having a Marine as a father, not wanting to play circumstances, not wanting to play victim. And you to this day, that's like, like what I say, people live in his story or her story. You use that her story to motivate, to inspire, but you don't live there. That's right. And I love what you said about diagnosis versus prognosis because, and look, you know, that's just one example of sort of, um, you know, sort of health issue. People are, con- you're right. People are constantly giving you their opinions that you can tend to take or you can reject, but people project on us all the time, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what box we should be in, what box we shouldn't be in. You know, I tell people all the time, people say, are you confident? Are you not confident? We assign too much value to what others think about us and the box that we think others want us to stay in. So when someone says, hey, Cicely Omar, I want you over here. We just accept that as sort of the fait accompli versus challenging and saying, no, I don't know about that. Hang on a second. And so that's the piece where I think the, the diagnosis versus prognosis analogy that you use is spot on. It, it, we can all go through life every single day and we hit those situations and we make a decision. We either say yes to accept it or no, you know, no, we don't. And that's when I think it comes back to really the making your own way and 
are you comfortable? Well, it's not even comfort. You got to get out of your comfort zone actually to be able to do some of this that we're talking about. But again, we just talk ourselves. I tell people that the the perfect opportunity is never going to come in the package you think. If only life was that easy, right? Right. Exactly. Well, think about it. People say I have a five-year plan. I'm like, ditch your five-year plan. And you would think that's the worst thing I've ever said to somebody. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's never going to come on your time. It's never going to be in the way you think. And so stop, stop living as though, you know, everything is sort of prepackaged and it's going to come. We just, we just tend to let too many other circumstances and people dictate our lives and our circumstances, but versus us dictating it for ourselves. So I just think we have more power within us than we, than we're willing to realize. And then when you get those progress and you get those wins that you talk about, and it's just small things. I mean, it could be, you had a good phone call with somebody or, you know, it was good to reconnect or, I mean, the small things add up to big things, but we're so often discounting because it didn't come in the package we wanted the way we thought, or the person didn't say what we wanted to hear. Then we just often, you know, discount. And it's like, no, 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 you, you missed the important part of what just happened there. So, you know, we got to get out of our own, we got to get out of our own way. Um, and that's the self-honesty part you talked about. Sometimes we are our own worst obstacle. We can absolutely be an obstacle to our success, or, you know, we can set ourselves up for self-sabotage and, 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 you know, but we've got to get out of our own way. And I think that's a big piece of the equation that people have to really self-reflect and be honest about. Well, a lot of times people let others put them in these, in these boxes. And that's why they're like, it is what it is because I was placed in this box. Why, why are you accepting it for starters? It's like, for me, I, my mom and dad divorced. I was before I was even born single, single mother, Latino, a high risk for high school dropout, all those labels. It's like, I, I blew them all out. Got a master's degree. Oh, well, he should be doing this. I've never been arrested. Yeah, the, you know, there's all these boxes and people like to fit into a box. They're like, well, statistics say, and I'm supposed to do this or, or, you know, they justify it. Well, I, I dropped out of college because the, the odds say, well, is this Vegas? Are we gambling here? You know, what, what are odds? Odds are meant to be overcome. So I, when, when, when people tell me, well, you know, you don't fit in any box to me, it's like, why? Thank you. I, I didn't realize I was made to, I, I, none of us are made to fit into a box. If we're made into God's image and, and the universe wants us to thrive, it, it's not a cookie cutter approach. Well, we're, we're all made to suffer and to become middle management. My life was made to just be a yes, man. My life was made because, you know, it is my circumstances. My my parents. I'm Hispanic. I'm this. You're, you're that. You're you're biracial. You're that. Everybody has these these goofy and and it's it's like some written unwritten book somewhere that people want to hold on to. That some people love to hold on to resentment and anger, and others want to say, "Well, I'm supposed to be in this box. My my parents were alcoholics, so I had no other choice." And, and it's like. What do you mean? Were were they? You're you're an adult at 18 through on. I don't think anybody was forcing you. I don't think the the life was forcing you to have that extra 10 drinks per day to say, hey, these are your circumstances. You fit into this box. So yeah, I, I whenever people say what box they fit in, I'm like, 
I didn't realize that we were made to fit in, into any box. Yeah. And, you know, we can blame and we can say the labels, we can wear all the labels we're supposed to wear. But at the end of the day, I'm big on personal responsibility. That person looking back at you at the mirror in the morning, that's the only person that you're answering to. That's the only person you're responsible for. And honestly, that's the only person you can celebrate to do great things or blame if something goes wrong or something doesn't happen. So I'm very big in your personal circumstances are your own. You can choose to rise above them and prove the labels wrong, or you can choose to let them define you and how they define you will never be as great as you truly are. But that's where those labels and those boxes come in too often. It's like path of least resistance. And it's okay. To your point, ah, it doesn't really matter Yeah, It actually does. It matters a lot. So, um, I, I truly believe and look, sometimes I'm going to be real frank with you. Sometimes people come to me and they don't believe in themselves and they don't have the confidence they need. So that's where we got to start. That's the conversation. I'm not going to say everybody has it figured out. It's like, you know what? You have a goal. You don't know how to get there. You're stuck. You're exhausted. You're going through the motions. You're just tired. You're, you're sick and tired of being tired. Um, and I and I get that. But the first place we got to start was with us. And that's where that conversation has to begin. And it has to end is with us. So let's strip away all the other pieces and let's just take a real hard look at where are you and where do you want to be and where do you want to go? But if you're not willing to start that conversation with you, then it's not a conversation to be had. Now with those lack in confidence, do you, uh, I'm sure you have to tell them confidence is created by small wins. You, you can't go for the grand slam. You can't climb Mount Everest without learning how to climb small hills, little victories. Because that a lot of times a person that lacks confidence is because they, they are seeing the results from it could be years ago. They just all they do is focus on the past and then they look at, well, I, I want I want to write 10 books, 10 bestsellers. Well, why don't you start with like a blog or start with a paragraph, start with you know one page instead of Having these these like to quote Don Quixote these these windmills that you're chasing or that what they seem to be impossible. Yeah, and I even go a little even more basic than even the confidence because you're right, confidence is a big piece of it. But I even go a little more basic. What positive self talk? What are you saying to yourself? And this is what you and I are sort of you know talking about throughout this conversation. Because again, people will say, "Well, somebody told me I was too confident." Or I'm not confident enough. And it's like somebody always said or someone always gave me the impression or, you know, and so it's like, all right. So do you tell yourself you're too confident? And do you, you know, do you walk in the back of the, do you walk into a room and sit in the back because you feel like you don't belong there? What is happening in your mind? What's your mindset that, that you come at that? And I got to be honest with you. I sort of start with the, even just the, the basic self-talk sort of, you know, what are you saying to yourself? Do you believe in yourself? And then I kind of challenge them throughout the conversation Okay, what are you good at? What are your strengths? What are your what are your weaknesses? But and then take it a step further to confidence is one thing. You really want to blow this out of the water and talk about the value that you offer and what differentiates you from everybody else. Let's talk about championing yourself. How do you advocate for yourself? How do you go to bat for yourself and become your own cheerleader? So sort of going back to some of the analogies we were using, sports analogies, it's like a champion's peak performance every day, making progress, progress, progress. Let's be that person. Let's not stop at confidence. Like, let's be that person where 
you're going to bat for yourself every day and everyday conversations. You're right. It's everyday conversations, everyday wins. People too often want to assign, oh, I've got to wait for this big moment and my moment's coming. And it's like your moment just passed five minutes ago in the conversation you were just in. So we tend to want to, we tend to miss the everyday wins and everyday opportunities. And that's where the sort of, all right, let's start with the self-talk. That's where that has to begin because you're in situations every single day and you make a choice on how you deal with them. So yeah, confidence is a huge piece of the equation, but even starting with themselves, um, you know, you and I talked before we got on the, before we got on the call today, every day is a great day. If you're above ground and you're breathing every day is a great day. So do you start from a place of gratitude every day or do you wake up grumbling? Oh, I don't want to go to work. I hate my job. Where are you? Like, let's, let's go that basic. What are you saying to yourself in the morning when you get out of the bed? Look, it's a tough conversation for people to have, but they build their confidence as they have this conversation and realize, Oh, I do have something to offer. Yeah. You know what? I I can do that. And then the confidence builds. And then that's where you start to see the real transformation happen uh, in people's lives. And you know, there there's, there's, there's no better feeling. Well, I always tell people it starts with what you do. The first thing you wake up in the morning, if you have to hit the snooze button two, three, four times, you're, you're not going to have an outstanding day. You're not going to create your day, but I need the extra 10, 15 minutes of sleep and it's okay. Well, then go to bed 15, 20 minutes earlier. Or set your alarm instead of setting it at six and then have, finally getting out at 620. If you then set it for 620, get up with purpose, get up with gratitude. And it, it, it sounds cliche, but act with, with your words. You know, if, if you say, I, I suck or, oh my gosh, it's Monday. This is horrible. Well, of course you're going to have a horrible day or, hey, how, how's it going? Oh. Uh, let, let let me give you. Oh, it sucks. I'm ha- I'm I'm feeling crappy. I tell people, and, and people sometimes roll their eyes. I'm living the dream. Am I living the dream? Yes. I'm 48. I know plenty of people that are no longer with me at 48. I've got health. I've got my two daughters that are thriving. Teenagers, pain in the ass, but still they're my pain in the ass. I've, my mom's alive and healthy. My grandparents are still alive, and it's. Yeah, I'm living the dream. I'm not going to say, oh, well, I, I had this bad day or why, why focus on negativity? We're, we're all living the dream because as of right now, you and I were speaking. <laughs> I mean, there's no better. We have electricity. We have running water. You know, we, we have sound mind. We have a sound body. We have purpose. We have drive. We have goals. Yeah, I, I I don't know what else one one can ask for, and, and anything else that it's all situational, it, and if somebody's having a bad day, that's only at worst case a bad twenty four hours. Usually, it's a bad three hours or two hours. But yet, oh my gosh, uh, I'm feeling bad because two weeks ago this happened or three. Okay, well that's the past. Yeah. But what if it works? What if you turn it around and start to have that? I, I always I always tell people, quit focusing on the negative. You, yeah. quit, it, it's why? Why? Why do that? It, it's like it's, uh, a guy I, I, I grew up with. My my pledge brother was always the king of self negative self talk. And he, he thought it was just humor. 
oh, I suck. I'm this. I'm and it, and he created his own world by his own bad luck. Just by I never say, oh, I'm a loser or or I'm cheesy or 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 anything like that. So when people say that, I'm like, why? Why are you using such negative? You know, there's no self-deprecating humor to me. When, when you say bad stuff, it's because somewhere deep down inside, you actually think that. Yeah. I mean, look, if you focus on the negative, your mind and your actions are going to follow the negative. Your thoughts are going to follow what you focus on. If you focus on the positive, now, you know, your mind and your thoughts and your actions are going to follow the positive. And you're right. People may say, oh, well, that's cheesy, but it's true. <laughs> you, you can, even if you have a bad day, you walk away from that and say, you know what? That kind of sucked. You move on after that. Because again, it sort of goes back to the conversation we were having about no. We tend to think the other party, whoever, if there was somebody else involved in the conversation or whatever led to the bad day, we tend to think they're thinking about it. They could care less. They've moved on. You're the only one still, <laughs> right? We're the only ones who are still sitting here going, oh my gosh, I can't believe. I'm like, the other person's moved on. Or if it's something you're dwelling on, you're dwelling on it. That's your choice to dwell on it. You can also say, you know what? Lesson learned. That sucked. I'm not going to do that again and move on. But it goes back to this philosophy of, you know, you, you got to be willing to try. You got to be willing to say yes to some things. You may not know what the end result is. Have a little bit of faith. Step out on faith and say yes and see what happens. I mean, I will tell you most of the things I've done in my life, I had no idea where they were leading, but I thought... I'm going to try this and see if it works. I'm going to see what happens. And every transition I've had through career transitions, I mean, even starting my business, I don't have business experience. I'm a, I'm a lawyer by trade and then politics and corporate America. I've never been an entrepreneur. Um, but I will tell you, getting I got fired from my job in 2018 for honestly being a little too good at my job. And it was the best thing that happened to me because I could have sat there and said, Oh, I, you know, I got fired and they said this and they said that, but I was like, this is an opportunity for me to go do what I actually want to do. And that is, and you said it, do it for myself. I'm tired of working for big organizations and corporations. If I'm going to work this hard, I'm going to do it for myself. I had no idea if it was going to work, but I was like, but man, what if that can come? Like, what if I can pull that off? How cool is that? Is that going to be? And so I am, I very much come back to the premise of if, you know, you miss, you miss all the shots you don't take. So if you don't take them, how do you know? And then, you know, I'm very big, Omar, in the last chapter, everybody asked me, why is the last chapter of your book on regrets? Because if you look back and you've missed opportunities, you've got nobody to blame but yourself. If you have regrets about things you didn't do or, you know, opportunities you didn't pursue, a conversation you never had personally or professionally, I tell people, I ask myself one question with every decision I have to make. Am I going to regret it if I don't do it? And if the answer is yes, then I'm going to try it. I have no clue where it's going to go. I have no idea what the end result is. You don't have to know where you're going to say yes at my point. Um, so when we talk about help people get to yes, you got to help yourself get to yes as well. And sometimes you got to say yes to things and you don't know where they're going to go, but trust they're going to turn out way better than you ever thought. And if they don't, so let's be, let's be honest. If they don't turn out the way you thought, it's a sign you were not meant to do that in the first place. And you need to course correct and go to the next door that opens. So if a door closes, 
that's a sign. You don't need to be doing that in the first place. Go to the next one that's open. That's the opportunity you're supposed to go after. So this whole thing about mindset and trying and believing in yourself, you're never going to know unless you try it once and then you try it again and then you try it again. And you just, you're constantly just course correcting and recalibrating. And you know that you've, you've talked about that here in our conversation. We just, people just got to give themselves a break and just know it's not some earth shattering move. If something doesn't work out, you just got to try. Um, and you know, there's a lot of power in trying, there's a lot of opportunity in trying, but the first thing you got to do is just say, are you, are you willing to take that chance? Well, I would rather have tried my hardest and it didn't work out in anything personal business, financial, then I have regret. And regret, once once regret hits, we don't have a time machine. And that that that's severe pain. And and I've I've done I've gone back to if if St. Peter did call me just to have a conversation to see if maybe possibly let me in. And I I I could honestly say I've I've revisited everything to make sure that I had zero regrets. Now, there there are some fashionable things that I did in the late late eighties that I probably have regrets on. But like on a business, personal, I, I've and that that's what I tell people is you only have one life. You only have one. This is it. So why why are you going to be on the sidelines? You don't know if I, I don't know if if I'm going to live the be 49, 50, 51. So why procrastinate? Why wait on the sidelines? Why pretend we're plan I'm in the planning stages instead of doing something? Cause yeah, regret that and, and life life goes by. I never thought we'd I'd be, you know, 48 and a half. So yeah. I mean, look, every day is, you know, and, you know, I talk a lot about my father in the book and I've talked about him here. I mean, you know, he died in 2020. I talked to him on Thursday morning. He was fine. Saturday morning, he was gone. And it not only sort of helped me appreciate what I've always known, which is, you know, every day is a gift. Every day is a blessing. But it's also what are you waiting for? You've got today. You've got just today. So what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for somebody to invite you? To the table that you want to be at, the conversation you want to be in, the job you want, the relationship you want. Are you waiting for somebody? Or do you understand that time is so finite and so precious and you can't get it back? So what are you waiting on? And, you know, that's a conversation. Look, I have that with family and friends all the time. I have it with professional colleagues. You you only have so much time. What are you going to do with it? And yeah, that's the piece for me that gets back to the regret piece that I really, you know, tend to challenge. Look, my, my mother challenged me for when I was, you know, going through, like I said, a lot, a lot of stuff. And she was like, you know, are you going to regret it? So I moved across country to California, literally back in the day, I had my little Chevy Beretta, my little Rand McNally paper map. Remember those big maps? Those things. I, I know the years just because we're about the same age when you said yeah. Beretta. That's why I had a laugh. <laughs> Country and a little red car, not knowing anybody. And I was like, my mom said, if you don't do it, you're going to regret it. And I was like, you're right. And I jumped in the cart. And that was the beginning of me going to LA to go to law school. 
uh, you know, that was the beginning of, of me saying yes to myself because I actually didn't have the grades to get in law school. Um, I convinced them to give me six months conditional admittance. And they said, look, you got six months to prove to us you belong here. And fast forward three years later, I got the highest award I could have gotten for a Pepperdine Law student. Fast forward 20 years. And now I have an endowed scholarship in my name. And I say that to say I could have stopped as soon as I my first no, they called me twice and told me, no, you didn't get in. I could have stopped there. And I said, well, hang on. Is there any way, is there any, is there anything I can do to change your mind or to get there on a conditional basis and show you what I can do? Is there anything? I mean, listen, I, I begged and pleaded and, and did possibilities, but because I didn't give up too often, again, we hear that. No, and we want to give up. And it's like, no, nah, you, you, you can find a way to do just about anything, but it's all up to you to be sort of that creative. So that was a, a very important lesson for me that I learned not only about no, but also you can fear failure and you, and I would have regretted had I not taken that opportunity. I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't know a single soul, but I moved 2000 miles away and decided I was going to figure, I was going to figure it out. And I can tell you story after story like that in my life where I didn't know where I was going, but I knew I had to try. And I knew I owed it to myself to try. We don't owe ourselves enough. We don't think we owe ourselves anything. We don't think we owe ourselves a chance. We don't think we owe ourselves an opportunity. And so then we just choose to say, no, we just choose to shut down. And then we look back and wonder, well, what would have happened if I would have done that? Well, what would have happened if I would have said yes? So I believe the power of regret and what if is very powerful because if you look back and you've missed any opportunity and or you missed anything in your life, personal or professional, and you look back and say, yeah, I have some regrets. It, there's nothing you can do at that point. So I'm a big believer in the little things that come along every day, the opportunities you have to change your course, the things that you can do are totally 100% in your control. I just go back to the don't give up. Don't give up. And you just got to keep going even on days where you don't want to, but you got to keep going. So you drove all the way to Malibu after hearing no twice. And you're like, yeah. From a, and I'm from, a, look, I'm from a little small rural town in Tennessee that most people in Tennessee have never heard of. And so I got the, my mom and dad got the, you're crazy for letting her go out there. What are you guys thinking? What if something happens to her? She drives, you know, cross country bars. I mean, I, and I got it. I had friends who stopped being friends with me. They were like, you know what? You think you're bigger than the rest of us? And I was like, I'm going to school, guys. Like, this is not... But people people project on me their opinions, as you and I talked about. And I lost a lot of friends over that. But yeah, I jumped in the car, drove 2,000 miles, had no clue what I was doing. Well, I mean, I could tell you some things that you would be like, oh my gosh, it's a miracle. You're still here. But... But it was it was the opportunity for me to say, you know what, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. And and do I want to give myself that chance? I feel like our chances come in different forms and different packages. And if you can help somebody overcome that, if I can help somebody overcome it, then, you know, if we can impact just one life of what we're saying or what we're doing, then listen, it makes it it makes it all worth it. Because somebody asked me last week on radio show, why are you doing this? Why are you trying to help people? And I said, because no one helped me. I figured it out. I made all the errors. I did the tried and true. I had parents kicking my butt every step of the way, but it was up to me to figure it out on my own. If I can now reach back and help somebody else realize what's before them, that they're missing. You know, I'm. it's a shame not to reach back out and help other people who need the same, um, who need the roadmap. 
that, you know, you and I figured out on our own. No one told us what the roadmap was. We just kind of, you know, we hit the curves, we hit speed bumps, we hit the stop signs, then we hit the green lights and we just kept going. If you and I can do that for somebody else, and I know we share the same, the same uh, purpose of just trying to help others. And that's what this conversation and what you and I, I know are all about. Exactly. I, I tell people all the time, how, how many books did I want to sell? I don't care about that. My life is to be in service and I just want to help out those that, you know, just need the help. And yeah. coming back to your, your family's friends and, and your own friends, the reasons why they got all bent and twisted was because they quit dreaming. They stopped dreaming. And the simple fact that you were going, you were striving, you're, you were going way past your comfort zone to do a dream, to go for it. Think about that. That's the pain that they're, they're reflecting like, oh my gosh, who are you? You should be here with us. We're stuck here. We're stuck in our safety. There, there's no way. Cecily's not going to, you're not going to make that. That's crazy. That's for other people because, and then it crushed them even more that you graduated from law school. And now think about it. There, there's an endowment in your name, all these things. And it was like, but we taught, we told her it was going to happen. Okay. It's because they're, they quit dreaming They way before that. They, they wanted you to fit in that little box of it is what it is. This is life. Suck it up. Find something that you hate at 30, 40, 50 years, drop dead. And the story. Yeah. Roll credits. <laughs> right. No, you're right. People, people will always project their insecurities onto you. It's up to you to choose to accept it or reject it. And, you know, when I moved to DC, I'd never moved, I'd never been to Washington. I, like I said, I'm from a very small town and, you know, it was just after nine 11 when I went to DC and it was the very same thing. What job are you going to be doing? I'm like, I don't know. Well, where are you going to live? I'm like, I'm not quite sure yet. <laughs> well, why are you going up there? Because something's telling me this is an opportunity, you know, that I, I should pursue. So like I said, Omar, I have lesson after lesson of, of, and you know, the good Lord has reinforced in me that, um, sometimes you don't know the path. You just got to say, yes, look, even writing a book, I tell friends all the time now, tell colleagues and people that I coach, they reached out to me on LinkedIn. Now, how many messages do you get on social media? Uh, people who are just trying to sell you something or somebody who's randomly hitting you up. Like I get it all the time, mm-hmm. but this one came through and I thought, is this a joke? This is, this has got to, this has got to be a joke. Like I'm nobody's asking me if I want to write a book on LinkedIn and turns out it actually wasn't a joke. And it was, you know, the advantage in Forbes media uh, Forbes book team and has turned out to be an amazing experience. And I'm grateful for the book, but what if I just would have treated it as just another another email, another LinkedIn message, another Facebook messenger message, and I didn't respond? I have people right now I worked with in corporate America 10, 12 years ago, hadn't talked to them. They reach out to me now. They're like, hey, do you have time for a cup of coffee or a Zoom call? You know what? I sure do. And it turns out every single one of them, hey, I want you to do on this. I want you to be on this board. Hey, I have a new client for you for your business. Hey, can you help? And I'm just like, all right, I get it. <laughs> I get the lesson every day. I get the reminder every day 
things don't come to you the way you think they should. And so I'm constantly, constantly, constantly uh, just preaching and a big believer of say yes. You just, you just got to say yes to yourself and you got to say yes to the things that are in front of you. Um, and you know, you and I've learned to say yes, and we've <laughs> we've learned along the way um, what that looks like. But for folks who have it, that seems like a big hill to climb, and it's like it may be, but you'll never you'll never know if you don't try it. You you'll never know what you missed out on, and well, until you- exactly you look at all the things that you've been saying it. You just showed up, you either no or you didn't know. You just wanted to go there and figure it out later. If if you didn't do that, you'd you'd possibly move to the bigger cities of Chattanooga, of Murfreesboro, or yeah. the big city of Nashville, been stuck in that, and and that was it. But but you listened to your soul. Your soul kept on saying, "Hey, there's bigger things for you," and that that that's why to me when people say they're an insomniac, yeah, it's because you're living your life unfulfilled. Your, your soul's trying to tell you that that little there's something inside you saying, get off your ass. You have limited time. What are you doing with your life? That's why somebody's up 20 hours, 21. They can't sleep. They're restless. It, oh, well, it's because I, I watch Netflix before we go to bed. No, it's because you're not doing your purpose and you haven't found your purpose. Yeah, listen, I in one of the jobs I had when I worked for a larger organization. I, I met the board of directors one night before I started the job. It was sort of my, you know, introductory coming out party. Hey, meet everybody. And one of the gentlemen pulled me to the side. One of the board members pulled me to the side. He said, I just want you to know you're going to fail in this job. And I'm going to be here to tell you, I told you so when you do. And I looked at him and I thought, I won't, I won't repeat. <laughs> I won't repeat what I thought because it's probably not appropriate. But I thought, I'm sure. heck is this guy? And where does he get off? And every single victory, every single triumph over challenge, everything that my team and I did right in that job, I never said, I told you so. I would look at him and he would look at me and meetings and different things. And it was just like, you made a mistake by telling me I couldn't do something because now not only did I did it, I did it twice as well. And now you and I both know that challenge you gave me yeah, buddy, I use that as motivation to wake up every day to prove you wrong. So I tell you that story because look, it could, in the professional sense, you're going to meet jerks. You're going to meet jerks in your life. My very first presentation I gave in 08 in, um, at Dunkin' Donuts when I worked at Dunkin' Corporate. A guy came up to me after the, uh, after the, you know, I thought it was a decent presentation. I mean, it wasn't the best thing in the world, but I did. I was three weeks in the job. I had no idea what I was doing. The dude walked up to me and he said, that was the worst presentation I've ever seen. He said, if you can't do any better than that, you need to stay off that stage. And I wrote that down in a sticky note and it was set on my computer every day for months, probably if not a year. And I thought, wow, there are some real people who are miserable in their life and who are jerks in their life, but that is not going to stop me, nor is that going to have an impression on me. So I tell you those two things real quick, just to simply say yeah, you're going to have jerks. I mean, you and I are talking about things we've done. You're going to have people trying to hold you back to your point. You're going to have people telling you no. You're going to have people saying you did something wrong. 
you can choose to accept their opinion or you can choose to reject it. But it all comes back to, again, what we started, which is the choice is yours. And, you know, you had those stories, you know, those people you've met, you can, you can recall some of those situations and you're just like, who the heck is that? Cause I, got- I use each and every one as rocket fuel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. It's rocket fuel. It's like, oh, let me just roll up my sleeves even more now. Let, you know, this, I mean, it's exactly right. It's rocket fuel. But for people who say, oh, well, so-and-so told me, who cares what they think? That, that's their opinion. That's, that's not a fact. By the way, they're wrong. Their opinion is so wrong. Exactly. But that's the, that's the part about the saying, yes, you're going to try it. Or are you going to let that person tell you you can't do it and you're never going to you're never going to try in the first place? So, you know, part of this sort of being um, part of this, you know, if it what if it works and what if you say yes? And what if it turns out to be way greater than you ever thought? That's you sort of looking yourself in the mirror and saying, are you going to is that person going to be right about you? Are you going to prove them right or are you going to prove them wrong? And that's a big personal rocket fuel motivation. But you got to be willing to have that kind of fire inside of you to prove those kind of people wrong. Amen. Amen. We're, we're definitely like-minded souls. So, yes, we <laughs> Cicely, I, I can talk to you hours for hours because we're connecting and we, we have similar paths, similar stories. But we don't have that. So what's the best way for the listener to get a hold of you? Yeah, look, my website is CicelySimpson.com. You know, you can reach out to me there. Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. You know, folks can reach out to me um, there as well. So I'm available on all of those mediums, all those forums. And look, I look forward to connecting with uh, your listeners after this, but Omar, thank you for the conversation. You're right. You and I could probably solve the world's problems if we, uh, if we had a couple more. Well, we hours. Had, we've had like, you know, the <laughs> same paths and all. So you, when's the book come out and how do we find it? Yeah, the book. Thank you. The book comes out uh, on March 22nd. Pre-orders are available now and you're going to love the title, Omar. It's called Pull Up Your Chair. So this conversation has been about making your own way. Well, I'm telling you how to pull up your chair, make your own way in this book and using a lot of the stories you and I've talked about here to do so. It's on Amazon, it's on Barnes and Noble, and it's available for pre-order right now. Well, I'm, I'm going to get my autographed copy because I, just, well, I just, by our, just by our conversation, I, I, I know we're speaking the same language here. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got a copy of yours, so uh, we'll exchange... Uh, We'll exchange, we'll exchange autographs. But look, I hope this has been helpful for folks who are listening. I mean, you know, reach out with questions, reach out if I can help. I'd love to talk to you. I, I know that. And I know like me, uh, you don't turn anybody down. Uh, if they DM you with a question, concern, comment, if you're on it, you know, we don't see people as checking accounts. We see people as people that all just need help. That's right. That's exactly right. Well said. All righty. Thanks so much for the conversation. Likewise. All, all, all my pleasure. Thank you, Cicely. Best of luck. Likewise. Thank you. Bye-bye. I never told no one that. My whole life I've been holding back. Every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars. I hear a voice like, who do you think you are? Negative thoughts come to mind when I start thinking bold. Like, why you chasing dreams? Aren't you getting kind of old? 
I knew I needed help. I had no self-confidence, didn't believe in myself. I tried not to feel or listen to my intuition to start a business. But before I even started, I feel like it's finished. You got a vision. And let me say, I don't care if they're your blood, got the same DNA. They can't feel how you feel, they can't see what you see. Wanna change your life, you gotta change the way you think. The thoughts in your mind is the boss of your life. Nothing but good vibes, every day I'm thinking like, what if it did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to us. Escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work.